Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by my daddy. Hosted by my daddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for that wonderful, wonderful introduction. This is a show I've dreamed about my entire life. I love the state of Ohio and the wonderful things so many Ohio residents have contributed to their local communities, the state, the region, and beyond. This podcast is a vehicle to share these stories. I will be working to interview the people, their purpose, and the impact they are making in the world. From presidents to coaches, unique businesses to unique attractions, inventors to movie stars, Ohio continues to offer an amazing repertoire of history and opportunity. I look forward to bringing these stories to you. Please drop me a line at ronsilico at gmail.com for feedback on the podcast. Today, I am happy to be interviewing Mike Milkovich, Jr., and he will be talking about his company, Local History Productions. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to the Outstanding Ohioans podcast, hosted by Ron Silico. Our special guest today is Mike Milkovich, and I heard about Mike and the work that he's doing a couple years ago listening to the City Club of Cleveland speech given by Jim Tressel, and he referenced Mike's work that he's doing bringing local history alive to communities around Ohio. So, Mike, welcome to the Outstanding Ohioans podcast. I'm glad to be here. So before we get into the line of work that you're doing today, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your family's history in Ohio? Okay. Um, my family is uh, from Cleveland. Most of my uh, relatives are teachers and coaches. And uh, my, my mom was a teacher in a, of history at Garfield Heights High School, uh, suburb of Cleveland. My father taught at Maple Heights High School and taught driver's ed and, and shop. Uh, but most people would know who my dad was through coaching. He was a wrestler coach at Maple Heights. And while at Maple Heights, he won 10 state championships in uh, eight seconds. And uh, this is all before recruiting, but in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, uh, my father brought wrestling from literally nowhere to uh, make Ohio one of the best states in the nation uh, in wrestling. I mean, at, at the uh, NCAAs, Ohio will rank first to fifth about every single year with uh, kids that place in the nationals. And uh, it's one real tough wrestling state. And uh, most people uh, uh, would credit my father as uh, being the uh, architect of that. So this wrestling background and, and uh, learning how do you get kids to be uh, state champions and how, you, how does a team, a public school team, win st- 10 state titles in eight seconds with whatever just walks through your door. Um, this kind of led me to uh, local history productions because uh, what my dad did was he would literally use local history all the time in coaching. And in wrestling, it's not the guys that are the biggest and the strongest and that win matches. It's, it's the guys that got their heads screwed on their shoulders. And my father recognized this as, you know, this is what you got to do. So 
uh, I became a, I went to uh, Kent State. I wrestled, obviously, for my dad, and I wrestled for Kent State. I was lucky enough to uh, be a state champion in Ohio. Matter of fact, I have two brothers. One of them was a three-time state champ, and the other one was a state champ. And they both went to Michigan State, where they won NCAA titles. Uh, my brother Pat is a two-time national champion and two-time runner-up. My brother Tom is a national champion, and Tom is uh, one of the only guys still today who went undefeated in the Big Ten. He won three, or won three Big Ten national. Uh, three Big Ten titles, and he's never ever been beaten by a Big Ten guy. So there's only a couple guys in the history of the Big Ten that can say that. So, you know, the bottom line on that is uh, you kind of know how to win. You know how to how to coach kids, and uh, you know what it takes to kind of screw kids' heads on so that they're, uh, you know, they can go out and compete. So uh, that's kind of my my background there, and. The way I got into the uh, the history stuff, I got out of teaching and I started making uh, movies and how-tos. And the first one I did, obviously, was in wrestling. And this was back in the late 1970s. And I used my two brothers, uh, both national champions of my dad. And we were the first ones in the country to... Uh, to uh, make a pro how-to program on videotape. Everything up until this time had been done on film, and films are very expensive. So the tech, with the technology of video coming out, uh, that's what we did. And uh, we took that, that program and literally sold it all over the country to uh, high schools and colleges. And I got great reviews. Reviews. My brothers are great instructors, and of course, my dad there. And from there, I, I made another one with uh, the legendary uh, Willie Moscone, the greatest pool player that ever lived. And uh, did that one, and then did others, and uh, kept kept going along in the uh, in the business. And um, I eventually. Landed at Lake Metro Parks, where I was the uh, uh, videographer for the parks for about 20 years, and my job was to put the parks on cable. And the whole time I was there, what I really knew I was doing was I was learning my craft, learning how to make a movie, learning how to write scripts, and you know, learning learning the production business. And uh, what uh, brought me to Local History Productions was. Uh, my boss at the parks uh, was in something called Leadership Lake County. And these leadership groups all have to do a class project. So someone suggested, why don't we do uh, the history of the county as a class project? So they adopted that. And he came to me and put it on my desk and said, here, we're going to do the history of Lake County. So that's uh, that was the beginning of that. I should probably... Pause here, but you ask a question. Excuse me. Well, you said a lot of great things there. Uh, you know, a little bit about my background, Mike, is I work at Miami University at Campus Recreation. And, uh, and you said a lot of things that interested me in that first segment. Is First of all, I've, I've been involved in basketball coaching for a number of years. Uh, I stopped doing it in the last few years when I started having children. But 
uh, before that, I coached for 12 years. And he talked about the how-to video piece. And, I mean, that's very prevalent today for coaches to be able to go on the Internet and, and get coaching instruction videos, whether it's on fundamentals or team systems or whatever that case might be. And it sounds like you're, you and your brothers and your dad were really on the forefront of that movement. Well, yeah, we were, and, you know, it's, that, that's been part of, uh, uh, you know, the, the thing for success, but I think a lot of people is recognizing uh, the forefront of something. Uh, you know, I remember in, uh, this is like after the 1960 Olympics, uh, the United States had two Olympic champions, uh, and one of them was named Doug Lubach, and is from Oklahoma, and, uh, well, to make a long story short, he won the Olympics, and my father in, 19, in 1961, I believe it was, wanted to get Doug to come to Maple Heights and do a clinic. Well, nobody did clinics in 
about him, and there's a guy right now in Jim Taylor writing a book about it. And it's just, I get the chapters when he's done it, and it's just, he's interviewing people all over the country. It's just fascinating stuff. But in a word, you know, he had that gift. And uh, he would sit kids down before practice every day and talk to them. It could be about the stock market. It could be about things going on in school. It could be about about whatever. But it always had a little message. And uh, the message always meant something because Nickel Heights was a blue-collar town. Now, most of the kids who went to that, that school, their dads worked out on the steel mills. So... Uh, you know, they're not privileged kids, and a lot of them have problems. Um, but uh, he would use local history, uh, and what I mean by local history is stories that, you know, kids could relate to. Uh, it's, and that's why uh, Jim Trestle spoke about it at the uh, City Club, because when I talked to him he, and told him what I was doing, and I said, I know you've done the same thing. And he said, yeah, I did. And, and he related the stories about how he made his whole team uh, read excerpts and books from former national champions at Ohio State and how they, you know, really inspired him. But these were kids that wrote their, their thoughts down you know, 34 years before. And it still meant something. I mean, every kid in April Heights knows the story of a a kid with polio that wrestled for us named Dale Sarnetti. Mm-hmm. Every kid knows that story. How, you want to talk about overcoming odds? Here's a kid that wrestled and went 10 and 2 for the year and had polio. One leg was as, it was as big as your wrist. And, and yet, my dad could show him stuff that he could use. And, uh, you know, every kid knew that story. So when they started, Belly aching about aches and pains or this or that. My father would sit down and say, hey, let me tell you a story about Dale Sarnetic. Maybe your aches and pains won't feel too bad. And that would be it. So it's screwing a kid's head on about, uh, about growing up, you know, being mature. Accept the responsibility. You got to study. You got you to gotta listen to your parents. You got to listen to your teachers, you know, all that stuff. And when you start doing that, then the wrestling stuff gets easier. It's just, you know, the moves are easier. Everything be easier because the kid accepts, you know, I got a responsibility here. I can be great. And other kids that came before me from uh, the exact same streets uh, went on and did great things. So if they can do it, I can do it. And that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. And that's... Uh, that's what I get out of uh, making the local histories as well. Great, great. Well, you mentioned that someone's writing a book about your father. Do you have any idea when what the title of that is and when that will be published? Uh, the tentative title, I think, is Meet the Mustangs, because we were the Mustangs. And, and uh, uh, we would have, before the season started, uh, Meet the Mustangs. And that, you know, Create the team out, and and whoever wanted to come and meet the Mustangs would come and do it. So that's the kind of title, and it should be done. I think he's going to have it done in the next six months. I hope. Yeah, great. Uh, you mentioned that you worked at Lake Metro Parks. Did you happen to work yeah. with David Noble? I did. Okay. David was was uh, 
players and true uh, warriors and entrepreneurs and you know how people had to stick together and how they had to trust each other and, and uh, it's the same thing as a team you know you said you coach basketball well those are the same qualities you try and teach a basketball team it's the same qualities a parent tries to teach their kids so I realized, you know, if you're just going to tell history like a history, uh, it was going to be a dud. And when you start turning it, turning it into coaching them and uh, making it relate to economic development, well, you know, that becomes an entirely different story. Now you've got the kids broken up. Great, great. So you talked talked about you you started making the wrestling DVDs. You mentioned that you were a teacher. What did you teach and where did you teach? I taught my wife. I was uh, I, I taught distributive education, which is a work study program where the kids went out and got jobs in retail and marketing. And uh, I would go out to where they were working and you know work with the uh, uh, the, the store or whatever the uh, managers and uh, that's what I that's what I did and then I was also my father's uh, assistant coach so okay and I was at Maple Heights okay so so you're teaching you get into you get into making videos wrestling videos Lake Metro Parks when did the light bulb I got out of teaching because. I, I, you know what, I, I saw what it was, I saw what the future was, and I said, do I want to just teach and coach for the rest of my life? And I had a little burning desire in me to do, to do other things, and uh, I met a mentor, okay. and, and, and his name was George Baird, and Dr. Baird was uh, the former assistant superintendent of Shaker High Schools. And uh, he came to uh, our Maple Heights wrestling matches. And I got to know, know him and his wife. George started something called the Educational Research Council of America. And what it was was he was creating curriculum from grades K to H, social studies curriculum. And... Uh, he started doing this because of his work in World War II. And World War II, he was, uh, it was the forerunner of the, of the uh, CIA. And I think it was called the uh, OSS or SOSIS, something like that. And uh, he graduated from Columbia University and, in, in New York. And, uh, he could speak a little, understand a little German, a little French, a little Italian. They said, well, okay, you sound like you're good for intelligence. And his job was to jump out of a plane in the middle of the night behind enemy lines and do reconnaissance and find out what, you know, what's going on. And uh, he would jump out with a few other guys. Well, one time they jumped and they found railroad tracks and it led them to one of the prisoner of war camps. And it was one of the first physical evidence they had of this. And he he got uh, he got more guys to help him, I guess, and they overtook that camp. And I forget the name of it, um, but it shook him as to you know 
said, well, what are those books? And well, those are the great philosophers and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the other part of the pile was the entire social studies curriculum. And what Hitler did was rewrote it. And uh, what, what that meant was, you know, you could, he took his thinking and made the teachers teach his thinking in essence. So seven, eight years later when he invaded Poland, um, you know, he had an army that thought the way he wanted to think. He had generals and army that thought the way he wanted to think. And George Barrett just looked at all that and said, well, if that guy can do it that way, I can do it the complete opposite way. And, uh, that really influenced my thinking. And so I remember the stuff that I learned from George when this thing got plopped on my desk about doing the history of Lake County. And, you know, you can teach kids to love their community, have pride in their community. But you have to you have to show you have to do that when you make your movie. You can't expect it to just happen. And I studied our state histories and, our, and, you know, our U.S. history books. And you don't read those books and come out saying, you know, geez, I want to be an entrepreneur. Geez, I want to do this. I want to do that. You don't get that feeling because it's not written like that. They're written to explain, like, history. You know, historians write this stuff. It's almost like an accountant writing it. Right? <laughs> and uh, I just you know, knew that if you're going to teach a local history, teach a history, it should have some meaning. You should walk away, take something away with it. So that's kind of, you know, all that together uh, is, is how I make the movies. So what what year or what time in your life did, did the light bulb come on that you said, now you said to yourself, I want to create local history productions and start doing this. That was about 
Yeah, Medina County, yes. Are you familiar with the uh, wood company, then, right? Absolutely. With the candles and all that? Yes. And do you know the history of AI wood, personally? I don't remember what he did before he got into the beekeeping and the candle making, but uh, I know. Oh, he had a jewelry store. Okay. And uh, right on the square there. Okay. <laughs> but the amazing thing about him is uh, he designed uh, beehives. And the beehives uh, were designed so that the bees would actually live through the winter. And bees were very important back in the 1870s and 80s because we had so many farms. And with the uh, Transcontinental Railroad, it opened up the whole United States. So everybody wanted, you know, good beehives. And he became, you know, wealthy. He became famous. So there's a letter uh, at, the, at the company headquarters that's to, addressed to A.I. Wood, USA. So, so it came from some part in the world and just the USA and he got the letter. And he's also a guy that uh, because he was getting famous, he was rubbing elbows with a lot of other famous people. And he became friends with Wilbur and Arvo Wright. And when the Wright brothers made their famous uh, flight at Kitty Hawk, well, there was about I don't know, six or seven guys with him. It was like going down there with your buddies. And yeah, it was one of them. And he witnessed it. And he, he would write articles for, I think it was Scientific Atlanta magazine, because he, you know, did a lot of work with bees. And he tabled them and said, told them what he witnessed. And they didn't believe it. And so they weren't interested in his, in his story. Well, the Wright brothers said, if you want, just publish it in your magazine. So the first account of the Wright brothers' flight, pardon <laughs> me, was uh, in, in uh, Roots magazine called Gleanings for Bee Culture. Isn't that a cool story? And that's amazing. To witness history like that. Pardon me? To, to witness history like that, that's... That's incredible. Well, that's what I wanted kids to know, too. I mean, this is the guy that came from the exact same streets you live on. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a statistic that came out last week about entrepreneurship in America. And it said that uh, we're having more entrepreneurial deaths than births for the first time in our history. And usually... In this country, we get around, uh, the average has been about 400,000 startups per year. Well, this year it was down to 350,000. But what they're saying is you need uh, a million for this country to get back on its feet. Okay. Pardon me, pardon me one second. I'm talking so much, Mike.
I've got a three-part question, and I'll I'll repeat it if I need to. Uh, so you've got you've got how do you assemble a production team to do this work? And okay. you know, second question: What are some obstacles that you've encountered trying to develop these products? And then the third is okay, I have the third here. Uh, what 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 do people get out of it after they after they they watch the video they watch the product what what's some of the feedback that you've received? Okay, um, for the production team, it's uh, me and a guy named Nick D. Tomaso. Nick is a guy that's been in the business for thirty thirty five years, and he's pretty much the technical guy. So when and the camera guy, I mean, I shoot stuff too. I know how to edit, but that's not my forte. Um, that's Nick's forte. Uh, when we, you know, when we interview someone, you know, they gotta be nice and well lit. The sounds gotta be good. And, you know, blah 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 blah. And Nick takes care of that. Uh, as far as the writing and everything, I've done all that. Having said that. I think I could go into any community, and uh, you know, there's production people everywhere, and some of them are very good, and um, with a good template, and uh, with a with a with a real good template, I think uh, any community could do do something like this. I mean, if you just told somebody to go out and do a history, what you're going to get is a history. And I can't emphasize, you know, enough. What I bring to the table is, you know, I said I want your kids to think like champions. Well, you got to know how to interpret. You know, for instance, with Hudson, David Hudson came from uh, Goshen, Connecticut, and I think it's like 1800, 1799, something like that. And the point is, he convinced 45. you've had to overcome as you're trying to... The obstacles are, are uh, 
are many. Um, uh, who do you take a local history to in a community? I mean, the initial thing is why you're taking them to the schools. You don't want to take them. I, I found out you can't take them to the schools because the schools, they don't have money for stuff like this. The schools don't create uh, their own curriculum and anything. Um, uh, do you take it to the politicians? Well, I've explained this to some politicians, and they've looked at me, and uh, they look at me like, like they're looking at Sputnik. Uh, economic development people. Um, the economic development people, they, they uh, deal mainly in uh, statistical analysis and stuff like that. Nobody's done what I'm doing. I mean, I, I shouldn't say nobody. There have been people that have made local histories, and I think this will enlighten, you know, why nobody's doing this. WVIC in Cleveland made the history of Cleveland about uh, 20-some years ago. And uh, it was 20-some hours long. 20-some hours. And, and, I mean, it's good for the historians. There's no way you can use the thing in your schools. Mm -hmm. And that's where it should be. Um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Ken Burns. He did the Civil War and uh, for PBS and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Like the baseball movie. Yeah. 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 Well, his brothers is a guy named Rick Burns. And Rick has a company in New York City called Steeple Series Productions. In 2007, he made the history of New York City. I mean, it's a great piece, but 17 and a half hours long. How can you, you can't use this? So what I do is, and I'm being a former teacher, I knew, you know, if you're going to pass it, it can't be that long. It can't be that long, so I make them an hour. So you have to be able to take all this information and make it an hour long, and then you divide it into five segments, or you could do three segments if you want, but let's work with five here, just for clarity. So it's a one-week class. And, uh, and you make it totally turnkey. Uh, so, some more of the, I mean, the obstacles is, you know, who do you take it to, and then how do you get it funded? And in the three I've done so far, they've, they've gone to different sources. One was, you know, the park system and leadership Lake County, and Medina was the Medina County Commissioners, and then in Hudson, the mayor was behind it. And the significance of Hudson was, uh, for funding, uh, he got private people mm -hmm. to, uh, to put up the money for it. And, uh, you know, they'll get their names on the program, but, you know, they did this because I think they realized, you know, this is the kind of thing that our kids should know. The mayor wanted the program done as pride of place. He wanted kids to be proud of Hudson or something other than, you know, the football team, the basketball team, or whatever. And, and have pride in the community for, you know, the right reasons. And, uh, you know, I think we, we definitely accomplished that. Um, and your third question was... Uh, I guess before, before we go to the third question, you talked about, there's obviously, you, you, you have history, in, 
and condensing it to make it a usable format. What what are the what are things that you focus on to streamline it to get you to still get the great message across, but you're you're able to get it into a digestible format. Now that is a good question. <laughs> okay, you you got an A on that question. Oh, thank you. I uh, when you talk to the, to the historians, there's different things that pop out at different periods of time, significant things, and, or people, or events. Um, you know, Civil War, industrialization, uh, uh, immigration, and you got uh, World War One, and then the Depression, and World War Two. These are these are major things, and these are things that kids will study in their history books. Well, I looked at it as, you know, while this is going on in the United States, what's going on with it back home? How does it affect back home? And I just look for stories that, once again, I go back to, you know, what my father did. Stories that school kids heads on. And they, they'll, be a, they'll pop out. The AI one was one. Um, in Hudson, there was a guy named James Ellsworth. And there's a nice, beautiful clock tower in the middle of Hudson. And it's kind of what Hudson's known for. Well, that clock tower was put up around 1915, uh, somewhere in there. Um, my years are going to be wrong, and somebody's going to catch me on this. But uh, my, my point is, James Ellsworth was, you know, born and raised in Hudson, and, and uh, he went out in his life and made a ton of money in coal mines. And uh, when he was ready to retire, he could have literally retired anywhere in the country. But he came back to, came back to Hudson. And when he got back to Hudson, he found out the town was, you know, in disarray. We're talking like 1900, 1905, somewhere in there. And he said, you know, I'll, uh, I'll put in the water system, the electric system, the telephone system, sewage system. I want to plant more trees. He says, in return, at the time, there were a lot of uh, bars in Hudson. He said, I want all the bars gone for the next 50 years. And the townspeople said, well, you know, let's do this. Well, I had to imagine that for him to do something like that, his friends were probably saying, what are you, crazy? And you're going to spend all your money and you're going to go to your hometown and you're going to do all this? And he, you know, he did it anyway. His mother still lived in Hudson. And, and that's one of those things where you've got to get into their head. If you just, if you just look at how it's written, it would say, you know, James Ellsworth did this. You don't get anything out of that. So, you know, an actor wrote a script. And I think it comes out pretty profound. Uh, and, you know, I wanted kids to look at that and say to themselves, wow, this guy went out, he made a ton of money, and he came back to his hometown, and he gave back. You know, the idea was to give back to the community. Look at the community we have today, and that's one of the reasons. And at about the same time, there was a woman there. Her name was Carolyn uh, Baldwin Batman, I believe. And she put up $100,000, that's big money back then, for the library. 
society. And if you look at the library in Hudson today, it's it's incredible. And the community loves it. There are people there all the time. But she had a vision. She had a vision. And the fact that she was a woman, I wanted girls to look at that and go, you know what? You know, I could do that. That's kind of what it's about. So obstacles, uh, who do you take it to in a community? And, uh, you know, then you got to try and get it funded. But I think what's going to happen, I, you know, I'm, I've got some nice irons in the fire for other communities right now. And once this starts going, uh, I believe uh, every community in America is going to want their local history because it's just the right thing to do. And when they see how you can make it, doesn't have to be 15, 20 hours long. You know, when you see how you can put this stuff together and how you can make it mean something, whether it's pride of place, more entrepreneurs, uh, whatever, whatever it is you want to emphasize in it. Uh, you know, you're showing kids you know what I do as well as I do from coaching. When you can tell them to your blue in the face, and somebody else can come and tell them the exact same thing and maybe say it with you know, two different words, and the light bulb goes off. Well, uh, I see the light bulb go off when kids are looking in their past and, and uh, you know, hearing these stories. And, Your local history could inspire you to do something you never 
thought that anything happened in Medina. This will teach me to love Medina. Try to keep it together because the people before us did. Thank you for helping me understand. That was a girl. Anybody you need is in a community that can 
can make this, and that's why I think it becomes a labor of love. Because when you get all these people together, um, you know, they can't wait to do it. They, they just, they love it. And the reaction I've gotten back to teachers, the teachers loved it too. And it helps because uh, you tell kids in the program how important it is for, you know, to be educated and, and the job that their teachers are doing. But also when you do the local history, it kind of completes the social studies loop. You know, you got to study your state history, your U.S. history, and you got to do European. Well, these rules were made like over 100 years ago. And in your local history, you can kind of take them for granted. So this thing kind of fills in the loop. And, when, and your, uh, your local history is it's a microcosm of our, our nation's history. So it, it gives a, a nice foundational understanding of everything else. Great, great. And, yeah, if somebody wants to contact me, they can now go to my website, localhistoryproductions.com. And uh, my address is on there. It's M P is in Paul Milkovich uh, at Yahoo.com. Great, great. Well, we'll put that in the and, show notes. Okay. Uh, what I had a few questions I wanted to ask, not about local history productions, but okay, your your thoughts. What advice would you give to someone trying to start up their own business? Well. Uh, I guess, you know, the same stuff that you do here from others, uh, be passionate. Um, I have to brag about my daughter. Uh, she graduated from Kent with a degree in economics uh, about five years ago. And her and another guy uh, started a business called Be My DD, Be My Designated Driver. Hmm. And it was for people that went out, you know, let's say you went out with your wife and, and, and went to a place and you had a few glasses of wine you said, oh, uh, I don't even to make it back home. I don't want to take a chance. Well, you can call DMITD. They will send two drivers out and they'll drive you home and your car. Or you can order the service before you go out. So a driver will come to your, to your house and drive your car and you go to wherever it is you're going and they'll wait in your car and when you're done they get in the car he drives you back home and they go and they started this from literally nothing zero two people my daughter and this other guy named Arthur and uh and now in 76 cities and 23 states and uh uh they're expanding their business to uh, other services, like there's people that need a ride to the hospital, they need a ride to the grocery store, to the airport, whatever. And uh, so they're expanding it now. And um, there's there's a lot of room in this country to use your head. And if you start learning to, to think and educate yourself for uh, entrepreneurial activities, and that's you know, it goes back to, you know, understanding freedom. Why was this country formed anyway? And it, it was, you know, for people like my daughter to uh, uh, be able to say, you know what, here's what I want to do with my life. I want to try this. 
because up until our country, you know, you just couldn't do that. And that's uh, that's the value. That's the uh, the glory of having a, of living in America. And we're we're not taking advantage of that. We're becoming, you know, too much of an entitlement society. And and uh, I think stuff like this is, is you know. You hear stories all the time in athletics about sons playing for their fathers, mm-hmm. coach athlete relationship. What was that like playing for your father? <laughs> <laughs>
exactly sure the title, but it's something like that. And it sounded real interesting, and I want to learn that because I want to incorporate some of those thoughts uh, when I do a big city. Okay. What's the bravest decision you've ever made? The greatest decision ever made. Yeah, uh, well, I'm hoping it's what I, the decision I made to do this. <laughs> but uh, the jury's still out. I mean, you gotta make a living with it. So far, I'm making a living, but uh, I want to do better. Now, last question I had for you, Mike, is what do you think are the future trends for economic development in Ohio?
Well, I appreciate your time, Mike. This was a wonderful, wonderful interview, and I, I appreciate the passion that you have to make Ohio a better place. Thanks, Ron. I will. Uh, you know, I'm going to try and do it. It's my goal, so. Great, great. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Okay. Have a great day. Uh, I look forward to hearing it back on your uh, on your podcast. Good luck with what I will, you're doing. I will get it to you. Thank you. And thank you. Bye-bye. Well, folks, that wraps up episode one of the Outstanding Ohioans show. I wanted to thank Mike Milkovich for coming in. Boy, was I truly inspired by what he's committed to. I really believe in the the concept of inspiring people in the community through local history, through people that have done it before. If you would like information on the show, please refer to the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.